Hello, welcome to the Voices Heard Lives Empowered podcast, brought to you by Power. This episode is part of our Suicide Awareness series, supported by Hertfordshire and West Essex ICS Community Fund. Today we speak to Kelvin Witt, who is employed by Power as a first responder in Hertfordshire. We discuss his role, supporting callers with suicidal feelings, and how he manages his own mental well-being. This subject matter may be distressful to some listeners. If you are affected by anything in this episode and need support, please contact Samaritans by calling 116123 or visiting samaritans.org. Thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode. Kelvin, do you want to tell us a little bit about your role? It's like it mainly involves sort of being the, the first person who clients speak to when they first call in. So when clients first call in to, to the heart to help service or the harvesting service, so I'll be like one of the people who picks up the phone first and then goes through the client's query, just basically just gain like an understanding in terms of what the client needs support with, um, what they need help with, whether it's a returning client who we already have who's just calling and maybe to speak to an advocate, whether it's a new client that wants to refer themselves for, for like a new query, so whether that be make a complaint and whether that be because they might um, be in a um, mental health um, like institution and, and then they need support with that um, or whether they're just an individual in the community who just needs support as well so it can be for various different things and we do get various different types of calls so it's always just um, just understanding what the client wants uh, what their support is and sometimes they I guess can struggle to fully understand exactly what type of support they need so they just might call in just to say that I have this query and I'm not entirely too sure even where I need to go for help and sometimes it's just signposting to the best place as well. You must be in that situation where you never know what that next call is. Yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, so you never really know um, to be quite honest and sometimes you do have calls that start one way and then you think to yourself, okay, then so this is the type of help that they're probably going to need and then as you start to dig a little deeper or as the call starts to go on you start to realize oh actually it's um, actually something else entirely and actually there's some other type of support that they need and um, there's other types of help that they need so i have had calls where i've um, even sort of advised clients to say oh so i know that you initially called in for this but i think that you might be looking more in terms of something else like in terms of this type of support instead and then clients have actually said actually that makes a lot more sense so sometimes they don't fully understand exactly the help that they need because I, because I think dealing with for example with the social services or with the council it can be a little bit daunting when you've never done it before and there's so many different avenues to take and you don't exactly know where to go uh, for help so maybe when it comes to housing or or when it comes uh, to gaining social care um, that kind of thing there's lots of people who don't fully understand the type of support that's out there or even where to even start so they might call in for one thing and then end up realizing that it's actually something else entirely so yeah, so you never fully know what the next call is going to be, but I think that does make it interesting, and it does also help you to to sort of be on the ball and to keep your ears open to listen out for what they're going to say, so that you know um, how best to deal with their query. That's quite interesting, actually. I would imagine that your listening skills are uh, exemplary, because as you've said, you, you know you're talking to somebody and trying to work out what it is in terms of what support they need. And where to signpost them to? How do you find that signposting? Is it easy to get people to access services? So there is like a lot of um, support that's already out there, and sometimes it is just bringing up that support. And and I have had clients 
feel like I've even said, oh, like I could have sort of found out myself. You don't in a bad way, but just in that case, I just didn't know where to go. So there is quite a lot of support that's already out there. So usually not too difficult to find that signposting, especially when you when it's queries that you've already had before, so you already have an idea of where to go. But when it's something new, it can be like a little bit difficult, and you and it can be um, some digging around after searching through uh, Google or through the council or or even just speaking to colleagues who have sort of had similar queries come up before um, and then just seeing what they've done, speaking to management. So there's loads of different, um, I guess, places to try and gain that help and then come back to the client and then say, oh, this is the best support for you and then signposting them um, on from there. Just kind of relating this podcast back to our previous podcast. And we're talking about a man's mind and suicide and, you know, the fact that you've talked about you never know what that call is going to look like when you pick that phone up. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where, as a call handler, you've had that call where somebody has said, I am going to commit suicide? Yes, so I've had a call with a client who we were helping for one thing, and it was mainly he needed uh, food and energy support, and that's what the initial call was about. And, and this is, uh, I guess, sort of why you can never fully tell so, so I guess sometimes when you have people in those situations who, who are like of the mind that they want to hurt themselves, sometimes there are, I guess, sort of telltale signs, but sometimes you can never fully tell. When I was speaking to the individual, he, he was absolutely fine and he was cheerful on the call and we spoke for, like, for quite some time, we spoke about various different things. And then he just sort of just said something as the call was going on, like near the end of the call, where he said that he knew ways of being able to hurt himself and he said that if he can't get the support then he was like then there's no real point in living anymore and then he will probably just commit to those things and then that was when I realized to say oh wow this has sort of changed and then it it happened so quick as well and it was one of those situations where I didn't even well I didn't even sort of realize I kind of like I wasn't really even I guess sort of so I wasn't already of that mindset that all oh, this the core might go this way um, until he just sort of just said that and that was when I realized oh my gosh so then I then had to quickly gather further support and then did a welfare check to the police who went to check up on him. He was fine and it turns out that everything was, was okay. But that was still um, like a situation where things sort of escalated very quickly and it just came from nowhere and, and I really wasn't even, I guess, prepared for it. But I guess that's the main thing is that you're never, I guess, fully prepared for it because it can happen from anyone, someone who's... Who seems absolutely fine on the phone someone who seems absolutely um, okay they're happy they're cheerful and then they just say something and then it just triggers alarm bells in your head to say oh my gosh you know especially when they might have already i guess sort of um, mentioned similar things throughout the call but you didn't really pick up on it then because it didn't seem like like it was going anywhere until they mm. said that yeah they might actually be ready now to do it it's quite interesting that you have said that you have to process that information very, very quickly mm-hmm. and make a decision very, very quickly based on little key things in that conversation that accumulate yeah. to, that, to that final kind of, I am going to commit suicide or I'm going to harm myself. How does that make you feel, being a call handler on the other end of that line, listening to that person? To be honest, it's stressful. I mean, like, it's not a nice feeling at all. And it... And it is um, very stressful as well because I guess like you just have so many thoughts in your head in terms of what to do next, and and you don't want to end the call because because now you're worried of, of what the other person is going to do. So so you feel very worried as well. 
and you have like that feeling of if I end the call now, then then I don't know what's going to happen next. And even when you get that support, so even when I did the, the welfare check and then the police went to see him, I was still worried because I was still thinking, oh no, you know, I've done everything that I can now, but at the same time, I still don't know what's going to happen next. And I was one I was speaking to him, so so like it's a a big feeling of stressfulness and a big feeling of worry and a big feeling of anxiousness of just thinking what's going to happen next and uh, this person they might do something to hurt themselves even before anyone can even reach them so yeah so it's like it's not the nicest feeling when when you get that and especially when you've gone from having a nice conversation to absolutely flipping and then just now things just change and then it's like oh my gosh and then stress levels rise and then you start like getting worried and you start shaking a little bit because it's like oh my gosh like wow this is actually happening you know mm-hmm. so we have like a really good team um, and we have um, a really good group who who we all support each other um, I'm, I'm using sort of like team chat and everything and I've had um, so I can never have been colleagues who have sort of been on the phone with clients who have said that they're going to harm themselves and then they've had to sort of come into the chat and then say oh this is happening I need someone to quickly call the police can someone get out the support? And I can have had to do that myself as well. I can, and you can see this, the, the worry that, you know, that everyone's going through. So I think that everyone is stressful. Um, mm-hmm. Because you can see the worry that everyone goes through when, when they're on that call. And then they're sort of just trying to type as quickly as they can, try and get the message across to say, this is what's happening, this is what's happening, this is what's happening now. I'm constantly updating. So, yeah, so it is very stressful and very um, like a very worrying kind of situation to be in. It, um, it feels like a big responsibility and, and obviously what decisions happen next and, and what you do next seems a really important part of that responsibility. So how important is it to keep somebody on the line when you find yourself in that situation? So I think it's very important. I mean, we usually try to keep them on the line until, well, depending on um, how bad the situation is, but they're always bad anyway. Yeah. They're always um, really bad. So we usually try to keep people on the line just long, well, until we know that emergency services are there. So until emergency services are literally coming through the door, or until they've actually already gone to see them, we try to keep them on the line for as long as possible. At least to just make sure that we know that, that, that nothing's happened to them, that we can still hear them speaking. And, and we just do whatever we can to keep them speaking as well. So ask them questions, even just questions about, about their life, about what they've done that day, about what they've eaten that day. Just anything just to keep them online to keep them talking so we know that they're there because then as well the silence as well can also be worrying if the line goes silent but the, but the phone is still on then now you don't know what's happened and then um so you just do your best to keep them on the line to keep them answering to keep them speaking um until emergency services or whoever can reach them and and um and make sure that they're okay and give them that and that support and then take over from there so it is very important to keep them on the line and it's very important to to keep them there because you don't want to end the call early and then something might have happened in that time. How, how do clients generally feel about the fact that you intervene by contact with emergency service? Do you ever get any feedback? Yeah, so I've never, I guess, got feedback myself. But usually, well, from what I've seen anyway, clients, some clients anyway, they might not be too happy to have emergency services called on them because of um, for a number of different reasons. Sometimes they may say that they're gonna do these things and it might just be a heat of the moment and then they didn't actually, I guess, sort of mean it. And then time emergency services called on them, they feel like that's, I guess, maybe a betrayal of trust between mm. them and the person who they're on the phone with. 
um, which I can understand, but at the same time, we do explain to them that the reason why we had to do this was because of what you were saying, we wanted to make sure that, that you're okay. So we know that, that it might seem like a betrayal of trust, but it's one of those situations where we have to make a decision and this is what we decided to do. But sometimes as well, clients, um, so I guess so that they can also be, I guess, sort of very grateful that they've had that, that they've had that help come in before they actually did something to themselves. Because like I said, so I've never, like, I guess, sort of had feedback myself too much. Um, mm. I think the only feedback that I got was was negative. So, like, the individual wasn't very happy, but I, that the emergency services had come um, mm. to their house. But at the end of the day, at least it made sure that they were okay. And at least it meant that they were um, safe. But, yeah, but I do, um, like, understand because I, because it is a stress, because it is a stressful situation for both parties. So I do understand to sort of have the police or ambulance called on you. And then, and then to have them just sort of um, at your door, and then you're now even more stressed out, thinking what the heck's going on. So I do understand where some clients are coming from, and that they might not be too happy. But and like as I say, some clients are happy as well, and, and they are grateful for that help to say that you know, like if it didn't happen, then they don't know what they would have done next themselves. It sometimes can just take that that one conversation, can't it, with somebody who is actually listening mm-hmm. to what that person is saying, and I suppose. For you as a call handler, I mean, I'm just feeling this sense of responsibility, but also, you know, you may finish that call, and in the same day, you may find yourself in the same situation. How do you, you know, in your spare time, how do you as a, as a call handler kind of debrief yourself from what could be a very stressful day? So I think one of the main things to do, and one, of the th- one of the things that helps as well, I think it's to sort of realise to say that this, well, it can be... Of course, the passengers um, you do speak to on the phone, and the types of situations that you are in, it can be, I mean, very difficult. So, uh, so I do think that it's important, even after when you've had those calls, and we do also encourage this as well, which is to just sort of just take five to ten minutes out, just take a little bit of time out, grab a cup of tea, or just grab something to eat, or even just just take some time away from the work, and then just sort of just um, debrief yourself, like as you say, and just um, and just sort of just calm yourself down. And before you um, carry on again, because you never know what the next course will be, and it could be something similar. So you want to make sure that you're not going into the next course still stressed out and still anxious and still um, worked up. You want to make sure that you've calmed yourself down. But in my spare time, um, so I live at home with my parents and my siblings. Uh, so I make sure to always be speaking to them. I'm like, you know, and we're always laughing, joking, and I call like these different things. So at least it takes me away from from everything and then just gives me something else to focus on something else I can enjoy um, I like to write and read as well uh, so that's something as well so I think it's always important to have hobbies and to have something that you can do outside of work so that it takes your mind away and then you can focus on something else so when you come back again then you're refreshed you're ready um, and then you're not still sort of stuck in your head thinking about everything that happened before you've allowed that to go you said that that was yesterday today's a new day and let's start again Visual welfare is extremely important, is it? You're, you know, if, if you're not feeling good, then I think what you alluded to earlier is that having that conversation with somebody and really listening to what they're saying and being able to pick up the some of the risks in the yeah. conversation that, that accumulate to that kind of end ideology in terms of a person vocalising that they're potentially going to harm themselves or, or ultimately commit suicide. I just like to say... Thank you for sharing with us your experience. 
I think that what you do is an extremely important and vital role in the organisation, but, but also supporting people in the community. I'd just like to say thank you, Kelvin. It's been really, really insightful. Well, thank you for having me. Like, it's been really good. Thank you.